yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know who it is. This is Kevin from the Chord Progression Podcast. Brought to you by MSOTD Rocks, where rock and metal thrive. Happy Thursday once again, everybody. It is January 21st, and this one is absolutely incredible. So today I get to sit down with the rock band Devil's Envy. Rock, metal, they cover a lot of it, and they are absolutely fantastic. Sean and Angel from the band stopped by the podcast and... Man, I thought we were going to talk about music in one way, and we talked about so many other different things. We talked about their writing style. We went in deep with what it's like to get personal on music and how different that writing style is. And then we really did something different here that I was absolutely a fan of that gives me an idea to do something a little bit later in the year. Well, you know, later next couple of months or so. Talking about the idea behind promoting music and behind getting behind independent bands, help them rise top and also understanding where record labels are coming from in this position as well. There's a whole bunch on this and it's going to be a potential preview for something to happen later on in March or April, but it is an absolutely fantastic conversation. I mean, if you like Joe Rogan's conversations with people where all of a sudden they get on some topics and you're like, Oh my God, I never thought about it that way. This is an episode for you. Are you guys ready? Because you better be. So let's go. Yeah. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of the Chord Progression Podcast. That, uh, what do we call it? A partnership that we've had with MVK Music that has seen so many great bands come to the podcast has yielded yet another one out of Central Florida. So please welcome Angel and Sean from the band Devil's Envy. So guys, welcome to Chord Progression Podcast. So, Thanks for having us. How's everything going out there in Central Florida these days? Surprisingly cold. Yeah. Surprisingly cold. What What do you think is surprisingly cold? I gotta ask. It's not cold enough. Uh, well, for us, you know, low sixties. <laughs> Come up by me where it's like high of like you know twenty four, twenty three degrees consistently. Yeah, I used, at this point. I used to live in Boston. As a, I used to be a flight attendant, and uh, I remember the day I had to walk out to the. Uh, the bus station to get to the airport get to logan and it was uh i don't know negative 20 <laughs> my florida boy did not like that at all <laughs> oh yeah was that what two years ago when they had the polar vortex thing go on it was no it was it was like four or five years ago but i also coincidentally had strep throat at the time Ooh. and i was i was flying home and that was the worst experience ever and i love boston but my god <laughs> i don't know how you all live up 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 north or wherever you live in the in midwest where it gets just absolutely bone chilling cold because it hits 60 here people start freaking out I'll, I'll put it this way we live where the air hurts our face because then we don't have random animals trying to kill us <laughs> right that's a good way to look at it no no alligators no crocodiles no weird snakes no weird insects that carry some crazy disease no by the time winter rolls around they're completely wiped out because no one wants to deal with snow why we deal with it i think that's the reason why we put up with our face hurting because of the air and having to shovel snow and when i walk out of the house looking up seeing icicles thinking is this today is today the day one's gonna fall off and basically just like go straight through my head so that's why I hang out the window at nights and like with a shovel trying to knock them all down just to make sure that in the morning I'm not going to die. <laughs> hey, it's the life of living in the Midwest. So before we really jump into Devil's Envy and the music, I always like to do this to get the audience to know you guys a little bit more. So I always ask three questions of you guys and you guys take turns with your introductions. So I want to know what your name is, what you do in the band. Those are the two easy ones. And the third one is, 
I want to know like a whack, real wacky story, a real wacky fact that you guys have about yourselves because I always hear some crazy, interesting things like people being famous on YouTube in Sweden before PewDiePie became a thing. All these famous Instagram cats and dogs and Twitter cats and dogs. The Tinder bios are always my favorite. So, but if you don't have Tinder, totally understandable. Those are always my favorite though, because they're just absolutely ridiculous. So I'll let you guys take it away with whatever you got. Hi, my name is Hot Rod and I like to party. (laughs) 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 No, my name is Angel and, uh, you know, I attended Juilliard in my, uh, my former years. No, also kidding. Um, I'm just the lead singer and songwriter of the band. Um, co-founder, along with my pal here, Shawnee Boy, who also Thunder Buddies to the up. end. <laughs> Thunder Buddies till the end. Fucking right. <laughs> Man, I feel you know like what's funny is Sean actually writes the riffs, and I write a lot of the drums, and then we just play them on stage, vice versa. <laughs> Really? That is true. Yeah, it's it kind of like true. a mix. It depends on the song. It's funny. But like sometimes he'll come in with like a sick drum part and I'll be like, okay, well, here's a guitar part. <laughs> that's how that's how Psycho came about, actually. Speaking of yep. which. <laughs> well, I, I kind of want to jump into that already then. So how did Psycho come to be, especially with that sort of a songwriting process? Because especially with you guys writing every like each other's parts in a completely different way in, in that sense. It seems like at first something that doesn't make sense. However, there's a lot of times where things don't make sense in the mind, but then all of a sudden you hear them played out and you're just thinking, holy shit, this made total sense. Yeah, that's uh, that's how I, that's funny you say that because that's how the process is going right now. Even, well, actually like last two months when we were writing the record, um, you know, Paul would come in with the bass part and I couldn't get it. I was like, at first, Sean, I would sit there and like, are you sure, man? Like, this seems kind of boring right now. And then after a while, you know, like they'll let me sit with it. And once everybody's gone out of the room and I'll sit with it and turn like a couple bass parts into a full song or Sean will give me a riff and I come back the next day and it's a whole song, like, like vocals and everything. And it's just been like that. Like they'll give, you know, we give each other bits and pieces to work with. And that's how usually it come, it'll come about. And that's how it went with, with Dead Inside. That's how it went with, uh, with Psycho and uh, yep. Look At Me Now. It just started out with just like a little basic form of an idea, just a riff. And usually those are like our catchiest song. Those are us, you know, it's just uh, like the simplicity of just grabbing something and then just building upon that instead of trying to come up with a full song to scale it's just that's how it worked for us i've always been a big proponent of that as well where when it comes to songwriting you let it happen naturally you don't try and force a lot of things in there you don't try and force everything to work in the way you want it to work because there have been times where all of a sudden you see some experimentation that people go with and it seems like it doesn't work but if it naturally progresses and it feels like it's so natural and going into it it's going to end up working, but there's times where people try and throw certain things in a certain areas. It's like they have a strict idea of what they want to do and they're going to go forward in that direction. Even if the song doesn't feel like it's going to go in that way. And then they, you release it and you think, Oh, that's not necessarily working out the way you thought it would. But when you let the song just progress the way that it's progressing, that's when things really pick up naturally because your ears are going to hear it. Your body's going to feel it. And your mind's going to be like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right, man. That's how it that's how it usually goes. Like uh there's this one the one song that we're we're gonna release soon called Night Stalkers. 
it started like that with just a simple base idea. And at first, like we took the idea and then we just hit it with like, it kept developing into like one left, you know, one left turn into another left turn and just kept going. And then we hit the bridge and it was just like total, just like it hits you. And it's like, and it's a good blend, a good change, you know, and there's only so much I can say to explain it without you like hearing it. But when you hear it, you're going to be like, okay, so this is what, you know, that we're talking about, but that's how, you know, we've approached that one that way. And so we've been kind of, um, using that formula for like certain songs and then we'll try something else like with different songs and not try to stick to one formula so it's been it's been rather uh experimental but we we do keep it within the uh uh what do they call it like mainstream ranges just to kind of make it still accessible to like to just not freak them out too much i mean like so that we're not brushed off it's like okay it's one of those weird bands and then <laughs> just look past it so we, we still kind of keep it in the, uh, you know, three minute, four minute mark without trying to go overboard. Yeah, it's like you want to keep it within a same certain realm so that you're not going to end up be like, OK, you know, we're going to play this song that sounds like a, like a three or four minutes long and it sounds exactly what we sound. And the next song is going to be like a minute and a half, like straight up punk rock tune, followed by a 15 minute long tool inspired song, because that's just <laughs> going to be I'm going to be like, wait, oh, what? We- huh, wait, uh, uh and i'm just gonna get confused at that point so i totally understand where it comes but you want to maintain that experimental style in terms of writing so that you can figure out certain things as you go along and potentially even going forward you're going to try certain things when you try these different writing styles at first it might not work out but you might learn a couple of things that you might be able to put into certain songs in different writing style as well and all of a sudden they just work out and the only reason they work out is because you tried it beforehand and you see how it interacts with with each song in a different way Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, Nice Soccer's was kind of one of those songs where it was it wasn't written slowly, but it, it was intended to be something one hundred percent different than what it turned out to be. And then we all fell in love with kind of how it happened because that was one of the first songs uh primarily uh that every member of the band had significant chunks of that song. Um uh, contributed to uh, a, a lot of the writing uh, since this band has you know been formed was from me and Angel because we formed the band back in uh, uh, 2014 uh, out of the ashes of a, another band we used to be in together which is how we met and um, for yeah for the most for years it was a lot of I had an idea I'd bring it in the studio Angel would have an idea he'd bring it in I'd either write some drums to it or I'd have a guitar riff or he'd have a drum beat and I somehow had a riff that kind of coincided with that. And it's kind of cool when you, um, as the bands evolved from uh, playing like our influences to, to where we're at a point where we, where we have our own sound, but you can still hear our influences uh, is really rewarding. And it's, it's, it's more rewarding that we brought, um, people into this band and and I don't mean just the current members uh you know the people that we've had in this band uh beforehand that have contributed greatly to um the music that we make it's uh it, it was one of those first songs that uh you got every working part of that band uh to contribute a little bit bit of their soul to that 
song and it just turned out in a way we didn't expect and it came out of nowhere and you know angel sent it to me once he mixed it and i was kind of like blown away not to not in a way that i think you know everybody's gonna like this song but it was just cool for that to finally happen and it, it was everything gelled really good so it was a good feeling and that uh, that made me be a big proponent of not getting in the, in the way of the music to fit some certain genre that you want to pertain to so oh yeah. easily and yeah. i would have to and i mean for for my standpoint i have to agree with that as well because you're going to hear influ- your influences in there as well because that's what helped form that sound that you have however what ends up happening is is you end up mixing all these different influences together from sean from you or from angel or from whoever else it was in the band or was in the band at some point and it's just a kind of contribution that comes in it's like a whole melting power all of a sudden boom you're going to come up with this whole sound that is yourself and then at some point, bands are going to be listening to you and are going to be taking influence from what you guys did in terms of the writing style that you created, in terms of the sounds that you create as well, and that bass sound that you have, even some of the experimental stuff that you work off of that bass sound. I mean, take a look at some bands like A Day to Remember, where all of a sudden they took like metalcore, pop, punk, post-hardcore, mix it all into one, and all of a sudden, boom, they're one of the biggest bands out there right now. It, it's stuff yeah. like that happens, but it's all because they take you take different influences, you bring them together. And you end up creating something that is entirely your own. And then people even take influence off of what you guys have done and with the writing style that you guys go with, because it is something that is more unique than many other writing styles that I've heard of in the past. Thanks, man. That's, uh, it's, Appreciate it's to, uh, you know, get some outside ears uh, like, and, and voice their, their thorough opinion, not just because any, everybody can be honest, you know, it's, they can be honest because if they skim it off the top, but this is definitely a band you have to really let absorb into your ear holes uh, and not just um, it's like one of those bands it's like it's an acquired taste it's like like listening to um, like like Guns N' Roses or Metallica or, or Avenged Sevenfold even Pantera like it's not a band that you put on right away and everybody's gonna dig it it's a band you know, our sound is definitely something like you have to listen to. And then you go back and question like, wait, what was that? And then you listen to it again. And after like six or seven listen throughs, and this is just paraphrasing off of other people that I've shown our music to, like from family members to management in the industry to A&Rs. And they, they came back and said, you know what? I, I listened to the songs you sent me like a year ago. Damn, dude. Like, okay damn you got some going you know we've showed we've shown uh even when zach used to be in the band um and he was showing it to some of his friends and uh when he was touring with falling reverse i think um it was also like an acquired listening like after a while it's like hey you know what we we kind of jammed this through it's like it's actually pretty dope you know like the because he wrote he helped us write dead inside and look at me now and actually the first ep was he was on there and the beetlejuice track uh, that we did um and we released that after he had parted wait he parted ways with him uh but yeah it's like like our influences like we take to heart like what they were trying to do not just oh this band is like so on the hype right now because they're writing with all this stuff and they're writing poppy vocals or like a lot of electronic stuff and we're we're a band that appreciates a lot of the organics of being in a rock band and not so much the uh, relying on post-production edit. Not that it's, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, that's just not our cup of tea. 
and it might be because of our generation, uh, how we grew up, or the bands that we've worked with or the bands we admire. We just love the overall organic sound of a true arena rock and roll band. Like if you get up on stage and all you hear most is their instruments just driving the audience, driving the sound system. Um, you, you can feel that power through the recording, regardless of how long ago it was mixed or who's who's judging, you know, because you can go back and listen to some of those old records from some of the greatest bands and you go back with the attuned ear of listening to all the modern stuff. Yeah, it might, you know, quote unquote, sound like crap. Uh, but in all honesty, when it was mixed back in the day, when they when they heard it, it felt good to them. And that's what I think captures their uh, their believing audience to know that, you know, they're not trying to nitpick at like how the mix sounds. They're trying to absorb what the song is saying to them. So that's what that's how we, you know, we uh, we started, you know, we pushed the EP, even though we, we all agreed like, you know, this mix could be better. The mastering could be better, but this is what we are now. Because if we wait and we try to push this at a an age where we probably matured musically, it won't make sense. So we pushed it at the right time, um, and it, we we captured the right audience for it. You know, pushing it to the right uh, fan base, like Trivium fans, Avenge fans, My Chemical Romance fans. Like um, some of those fans still stuck around. Um, most of them on like Instagram, like when we started out as Embrace the Envy, what we used to call ourselves back, uh, we were playing like small little bar gigs. <laughs> well, when it comes to the whole entire thing, we're talking about acquired taste. That is definitely something that in my opinion is completely different than the idea of the music industry now, given how music is consumed by the consumer on through streaming, especially on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever they might be listening to, because what people are trying to do now is whatever song they come out with, in my opinion, especially more the hit, like the pop pop artists that are really trying to push a lot of things is they want to get you hooked right away. And they want to make sure everything sounds perfect because when you stream a song, if you don't like it right away within like the first 10 seconds, or you don't like the mix the way it is, you're just going to end up writing off that band forever. And you're going to end up jumping back to what you really care about, what you really know. Rarely now are people going to go in deep with certain bands as well, because in my opinion, they, the investment just isn't there. Take a look back to about 25 years ago. I mean, people are buying CDs by the dozen and you're going to be listening through the whole entire thing because you put money down on it. That's an investment. You want to make sure you get your money's worth. So you're not going to listen to one, one, like the first 10 seconds of the first song and then say, oh, this album is completely trash because no, you put money into it. You want to listen to it with streaming. You're just putting like what, $7.99 down for Spotify every single month. And then you get this whole entire library of music where you can just kind of pick and choose whatever the heck you want for the consumer. It's great. But when it comes down to it in terms of overall uh, consumer behavior, it, when it comes to having that acquired taste, it's just, I'll put it this way. It's not something that you prevalently see right now. However, it is completely different because when it comes to a lot of those bands in my, or I see a lot of the artists, especially pop artists, in my opinion, that are putting that stuff out there on the streaming platforms right now, there it's very overproduced very well, like mastered incredibly well done in post-production so that you hear that you don't get the raw feel of it. But when you go more towards rock and metal, especially I would say metal corp, especially on this, it's like what you're saying, Angel, where it's when you're listening to the music in the, in your headphones, in your earbuds, whatever it is, you can hear the power of the instruments just come through that. And then you go see live and it's the exact same feel it's, it's coming through from one and the other. 
And when it comes to rock and metal, I think it does kind of become a little bit more of an acquired taste now in the grand spectrum of things. Kind of like drinking beer or wine, because when you drink it for the first time, you're like, oh, no, not this. But then after like two, three years, you know, if you like if you start drinking more beer, you're going to end up liking more beer. That's just the way it works. So I can definitely see with Devil's Envy where because for my opinion, I can see exactly where you're coming from, Angel, where it's on that. You're never if you just take a look at it at the complete surface, like in a song like Psycho you're going to miss out on so much. You got to listen to it like two, three more times because it's kind of like watching what I say. It's kind of like watching a, like a comedy movie when you're a kid and then watching it again when you're an adult, because you're going to pick up on so many different things that you didn't even pick up on at first. It's kind of the same way with you guys, where if you take it just at the surface, you're only going to get one level of it. But if you listen to it again and listen to it with a little bit of a different idea behind it or a little bit of a different uh, ear in a way, you're going to pick up on so much more that's going on. And, with how I listen to music and how I really dive deep into stuff, like I'm listening to stuff like three or four times through and I'm really trying to just not only hear what the lyrics are saying, but hear how the emotion behind the singing is really making it work, whether it's unclean screams or whether it's clean singing and how the instrumentals really bring out that emotion as well in terms. So there's a lot to be had here. It's kind of like kind of like uh, the Jelly of the Month Club from Christmas Vacation. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, well, Sean, Sean could also tell you like it's what our personal favorite between him and I is "Dead Inside" because uh, that's it came from a a time and a place where we were still kind of uh, somewhat jaded, like what was going on. Um, I was I was still trying to get over, you know, like tra- my transition in life. Um, I had, you know. Sean and I were actually roommates. We were, we were living together and uh, because, you know, I was going through a divorce and I was like all this stuff, like when you go through one bad thing, it's like every other bad memory just piles up on you. It's like as if it happened yesterday. And so memories, of course, of like my late brother was like coming forward. And, and so like all this stuff were like, like like we were literally like drinking almost every day right bro like just like literally just like all we could do is just find reasons to just party and after yeah. a while, caught up and then depression sets in and so like a lot of the lyrics from like anger and depression and all that stuff it kind of set in so like do yourself that favor and not not to try to create like a fandom here but even your your viewers your listener listen to dead inside like really listen to it read those lyrics put on some good like headphones or whatever you know get that low that low end pumping uh, and absorb that song and and whatever moment in time you are in your life and you listen to that song that's what we were feeling when that song came about and so when you do like we'll challenge all your viewers like to hit us up send us a message like i see what you're you were going with now so far that's why the record was the ep was called dead inside and you know there's a lot of there's so much going on in that song um layer upon layer like layers of guitars like even from those little nuances to what you know especially how the vocals are are being pushed um a lot of that was saying like through like pure and raw emotion. There wasn't a lot of post-production or tuning or anything like that. It was just straightforward because of where I was up here. So it was just like, 
it was uh, as raw as I wanted it to be. So, you know, you listen to a song like that and then you go in and then you approach every other song that way, you'll get it. You'll get what we're going with, you know, coming forward now. And then you'll, you'll understand like what we're going to be coming out with like in the near future as well. And Sean, I got to ask you this. When it came to writing uh, Dead Inside, what was your mindset going through that as well? And then after that, I've got a whole entire thing connection to make with it as well with a song that I listened to in 2020 that I called the song of the year for the exact same reason why Dead Inside hit so hard with so many people. So I want to get to that, but I want to ask Sean first, what was it like writing Dead Inside and what was it like going through the process of writing a song that really goes in deep with so many different emotions, so many different feelings and so much personal um, experience that goes into it? Uh, yeah, that, that's actually kind of an interesting topic to broach because um that song uh angel was we had a little mini studio set up in our um, living room at that apartment and um i was in my room we were all hanging out with me uh, angel zach uh our buddy alex um and it was it was it was very strange we'd all been like kind of drinking we we're partying but we we're hanging out drinking and i was in my room and i happened to hear angel play some certain riff and I was like oh that's kind of cool and then I kind of made a derivative off of that riff and I ran I, I literally ran out to the to the living room I said dude uh just plug everything in and record this so he records that riff which was the the opening riff for uh dead inside and it was very quick we didn't work on it much at all that night uh I gave him a drum idea I had the riff um zach contributed a, a pretty like real heavy but kind of raw bass line and we kind of left it like right at the chorus where it hits uh i come back i come home from work like a day and a half later and angel's got the chorus written he's got words written and i was like oh my god this is kind of blown away but it was weird because it kind of touched where i was going through because i was diagnosed um a couple of years after that with uh, uh i was clinically diagnosed with ocd and that you know not the uh you know the hand washing germophobia stuff but more um more a, a more debilitating form of ocd so um uh that's not what that song was written about but you can certainly infer a lot of those uh, lyrics to my experience so that song became really 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 uh close to my heart and uh, i knew obviously that the lyrics were uh, deep to Angel's heart. Uh, we both have had mental mental illness. I, I don't know if he's comfortable sharing his story, but um, it was written about a lot of things. Like he said, he was going through a divorce. Um, you know, we were masking a lot of things with partying and, you know, we had our share of good times. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. But um, I think that's kind of the beauty in music is that, especially for this band, it allowed both of us an outlet to kind of talk about hard things like that. And that uh, people may pick up on um, that, you know, don't feel comfortable talking about things with people. Uh, you know, I struggled with that for years, but uh, that's, that's always going to be a song that's going to be close to my heart. You know, it's very heavy. It's uh, I like that we kept the chorus pretty mainstream and accessible um, to, to reach more people. Um, not everything needs to be super hard and, full of curse words and whatever like that and there's nothing wrong with that sometimes sometimes that's needed man it like you know sometimes you need a corn mood and sometimes you need a bucket you need a limp biscuit mood you know what I mean? <laughs> like, 
sometimes you need to listen to some some what people would call corny shit and you know just enjoy yourself man like i fuck i listen to nickelback all the time people like oh it sucks i'm like well maybe they do but you know i enjoy it so you know it's it's not the most brilliant songwriting ever but it's damn good it's better than i can do i think so um yeah i, I think that's the beauty of music man is um a lot of different and deep emotions can be portrayed in a song like dead inside that's kind of heavy but still very melodic and and very accessible to people so no very yeah. i was gonna say yeah. very much so and when it came when it, when it comes to like because the song that i picked for the song of the year for 2020 was a song called above my head by polaris and that song yeah. deals with going through depression and like feeling like everything is coming at, down around you and you can't deal with it anymore and you're weighing over your head trying to get through that and just hearing how everything worked out in that song in connection with the lyrics, in connection with how the vocals were sung, not only from the verses, but the chorus, well, how the Napoleonic guitars worked within to create that feel. Everything that I went through between like late, like mid or mid 2017 to about March or April of 2018 with just, I mean, I'll put it this way. Life just took a complete left turn where everything was coming down around me. And I was trying to realize if life, like going in a, adulthood was just completely something that was just horrible and just to go dealing with that i'm like i was felt way overwhelmed with that suicidal tendencies happened and listening to that song it kind of takes me back to that time but it really gives like what i always say it gives a tangible explanation to emotions that are intangible or really hard to explain to people it's like well what was it like to go through this listen to this song and you'll figure it out and the reason that is because the themes that are being brought up in that in those songs like Above My Head by Players, like Dead Inside by Devil's Envy. That's you guys. Want to make sure everyone knows that. But when you bring up a lot of personal things that are going on, people are going are gonna to connect with those in their own way because maybe they've gone through something very similar or they've gone through those emotions very similar to what you guys went through as well. And then there's going to be that innate connection where all of a sudden they're going to feel like you are directly talking to them and you're really giving them an aspect in mind like, okay, this is what I went through and see how far I've come. And it just kind of gives a, in a, in a way it kind of gives a hope to a lot of people. And then when they see you live, there's just this innate connection between you guys and the fans and just that song. And everyone just has a super emotional connection to it. That's strong because how everyone feels with it. And it's something that is incredibly powerful too, because especially in today's day and age, especially with us being almost in a whole entire year with this coronavirus pandemic, People are feeling less connected than ever. And with music, people are really go are really connecting back to themselves because they're hearing different bands express different emotions through songs. And they're really be able to kind of express those emotions to themselves or to other people as well. It really is something that really gets people connected, not only to you guys, but helps them get connected even more to themselves. Yeah, I think it's invaluable, um, especially yeah uh, obviously nobody could have predicted last year but that kind of um that kind of connection through something uh is is wide span is music uh, i think is really invaluable to people and i think you hit it right on the head um you know a lot of people don't you know they've been locked in their homes they've uh lost their jobs they've lost family members they've you know and it topple that on on everything they had going in their personal lives before that uh you know like people like like me and angel that have you know had struggled with mental illness and stuff like that and, and personal life things divorce um 
I think anything that can connect people at that raw emotional level is very, very important in this day and age. Because uh, you're you're 100 right. People in the state they don't talk to each other anymore. Even before this, uh, I, I think social media is a great thing. It's also been the advent of people not communicating with each other and understanding each other. It's very easy to to judge somebody or think you know everything because you saw it on the internet. And uh, we've lost that that human to human personal connection of understanding where people come from, and we've stopped learning about other people. So. Oh God, exactly. And I think that's another big reason why we need live shows to come back as well, because when people go to live shows, it's they connect with bands in so many different ways in so many different positive ways where if I go to a live show and see rise against and the others and bring up rise against, cause that's my favorite band. If I go and see them, I'm going to go and see them and I have a certain positive connection with them where everyone else is going to have a different type of connection to them, but it's all going to be positive. And when you're in a crowd at a live show, it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter anything about you. All that matters is that you're there. You're there to enjoy the music. You're there to connect with the band, the positive way. And the crowd's just going to feed up that and everyone's going to have a great time. It's a real, real family environment there that I think a lot of people are missing. And it's just something that once this pandemic ends, I mean, and hopefully live shows come back soon because I mean, hell, I'm missing them like crazy. I miss seeing my concert family that I haven't seen in almost, you know, almost a year at this point. It's it's rough, but being able just to listen to music as well and just be able to reconnect with it in different bands, just discover different bands and discover different things that bands have gone through through their music and just kind of make those connections with my own life as well. It allows me to really understand even more about myself because I'm hearing again, those sounds that are translating to different feelings that I had and being able to discover certain things about myself, see how far I've come over overcoming certain things about depression, overcoming suicidal tendencies and all this other stuff as well. And it's something that whenever bands, and I'm a huge proponent of this as well, whenever bands talk very personally in their music and they really put a lot of their personal experiences in there, whether they're good or whether they're not so good, people are going to connect with them even more so than if it was something that was more bland or catchy in a way, because man, it's, it's real. Like it is incredibly real when people feel those emotions. That's why you see people at concerts when certain songs come on, like it could be the heaviest song ever and why people are just absolutely crying their eyes out because there's such a heavy emotional connection to it where that song could have essentially inspired them to make a change in their life to and honestly save their life in a way. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll let angel go, but yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. And it's, I, I think people really discount the, uh, that that fact of of, of me, not just music, I mean all art, but uh, you know music has a has a real different way of connecting to people. It's more, let's say it's more at the micro level that you know hits you in your in your soul. Like people people can have very incredible. I've had amazing experiences, whether it was you know a poppy song or you know, a real sad song that has just like a beautiful chorus, even though it's sad. So yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right about that. People need to get back to that. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, well, there's, there's quite a few that, that do, you know, they'll, they'll still write with some substance in their, you know, their lyrics and even their approach. Like you can even hear, um, there are some songs that don't even seem sad until you really read through the lyrics and you're like, Oh shit. Like, okay, this was, this went on a deep end. Um, but 
but yeah, as you know, I think as long as we're staying true to, you know, what it means. And although like, yeah, I, I wish, you know, on a, from an artist point of view, I wish we, we had the ability to reach more people with our music. And I know in due time it, it will, um, but maybe, you know, maybe it didn't happen as fast for us for a reason. Um, maybe it was meant to hit the right amount of people at the right time and, and just slowly spread from there. Um, you know, and so we're, you know, slowly, although it might seem slow to others compared to others, but you know, it's, it'll, it'll hit home to the right people at the right time, I guess, even though, uh, that, that the, a lot of those songs were out in like 2016 and, and then we started coming out with newer stuff in 2018. It's like usually like a two year gap in between it, even though it's not a lot, we're not the, we're definitely not the content pushers we're more the, you know, we're pushing quality at, you know, good amount at the right time, you know, whatever, you know, feels right because we'd like to, we like to promote and push whatever we're releasing at that moment in time, not just, Hey, we, we just put out this song and, and kind of just jump up, you know, just kind of leave it at that and then hurrying up and, and try to get the next one out. It's more like, let's see if we can push this and different meanings, you know, behind this you know and, and keep moving it forward and not to compare us to like what's going on now because i'm sure there's there's tons of uh you know other bands you know i've i've recently been listening to uh although like let me let me uh let me clarify that i am no way like i am such a picky listener like it's so hard for me to get into the the, the newer bands like sean was like hey did you hear the new this and i'm like Nah, man, I'm stuck, dude. I'm either stuck in my own zone or like stuck listening to like my influences. But then again, you know, I'll 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 come around. You know, I've recently listened to Wage War, and I'm like, okay, well, damn, you know, this is this is cool. You know, maybe not my approach as far as like uh, the style, like the 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 delivery of it. You know, the songwriting approach, but lyrics, like they're they're really good and. Um, I like that. I like uh, lyrics with some substance. You can, I've always been a fan of saying more without saying too much. I'm not a wordy lyricist. Um, and I kind I probably picked that up from like Maynard or like listening to like a perfect circle. And like, you look, you read his lyrics, like, what the hell is he trying to say? And, you know, some of my lyrics are like that. You know, I've, I've had that question. It's like, this isn't grammatically correct. I'm like, I know, but it sounds better. You know, it sounds easier on the ears. Um, and I like bands that do that, you know, there's, there's, they're quite a bit now, maybe not so much nowadays, but, um, it's fun to kind of find those, uh, diamonds in the rough, you know, when you're kind of listening through like all the noise. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, kind of bringing up what you're talking about with when you write certain lyrics, like sometimes it might not be grammatically correct. I think especially in rock and metal, that's kind of really on the low end of the spectrum. However, not being grammatically correct and just tweaking certain pronunciations of words just so it fits within a certain scheme. I mean, that helped make Eminem as big as he is right now. And that helps with how his flow is because, yeah, this word, it's, not, it's like it's perfect for what you need to go with it. But it just doesn't rhyme exactly the way he needs yeah. it to. He's just going to tweak the he's going to tweak the word around itself in order to make it fit. And it absolutely works. So there's times, again, where it does absolutely work. And when it comes to lyrical content, I'm always a big proponent of not being like super duper specific because then people it's like, okay, if you didn't act, if you weren't actually there at that moment, you're not gonna be able to relate to it, but not being like entirely like vague and abstract as well. It's a really trying to really just be like, 
what is he talking about? And then just completely forget about it. where mayor comes in, where it's for me, he's rather vague, but it's what's he talking about, but you're still intrigued in order, in order to really take a look and figure out what it is and like what he's trying to say. I like that somewhat generalness, but also somewhat of a directive approach to it as well. So it's a little bit more of that happy medium style so that I get what, like, kind of like when it comes to song, I get what you're trying to express. I get what you're saying. However, it's vague enough for me to easily relate to it in my own way and with my own experiences. Like, uh, look, look at me now is a great example of that. And um, uh, even the, maybe even, maybe even Beetlejuice, if you want to listen to that one a bit. Uh, uh, those those two songs like um, you kind of read over the lyrics if you listen to it yeah it has like that Pantera-esque vibe uh, but even like the chorus lyrics like once you start reading through them you're like what was he you know what was Angel trying to say here and it just made sense to me to where it's more of uh, look like look looking inside of one person and not really seeing what's there like that's what that whole song was about and so i kept it lyrically vague on purpose um and i like rhyming i'm just i'm i'm very poetic when writing a lot of my lyrics and i just love it i do different types of it um because like john lennon would write a lot of his uh his song structures were like in poetic form so they would follow like a, a format we learned like would follow like a AABA format or a ABBA and maybe some of your viewers might know what the hell I'm talking about but if if you guys don't it's more like a uh, so you're rhyming a certain phonetic in one chunk of the song and then the next one will go to another one and then it'll repeat and then go back to what you were doing you're using the same vowel ending in the first one and once I explained that to Sean like four four years ago he was like oh okay I see. It's like, why do you have to keep rhyming these four sentences? And then I, I, I explained it. It's like, well, this is what I'm doing. It's, it goes from small, then on a grander scale, the whole song it follows that format, but on a bigger scale. So, that's like, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, like I said, like it's a, a lot of our music is definitely something you listen to, and there's like little Easter eggs. You know, like, oh, okay, this we did here. This is what. This is why he did this with the drums because the bass was doing that. In this so it's all like there's a method to all the madness yeah it's kind of like uh well i remember back when i was in grade school too just all of a sudden okay we're gonna like poetry we're gonna learn rhyme schemes and what's going on here and all of a sudden it's already here's this scheme here's this scheme here's this scheme and different stanzas it's like okay this rhymes with this this rhymes with this instead of having you know the second line of the verse the second line of this verse all of a sudden the fourth line it's going to rhyme the exact same way and this is going to keep that up it's like two four two four two four a b c b whatever it might be and at times it's like yeah that's great it's a great rhyme scheme to go with however times it does get boring after a while if you're gonna use it over and over and over again plus the intricacies of using a different scheme on that can really create something that's absolutely incredible to the point where it helps you get your point across helps you get the message and the style of song that you want to get across even better than you would if you use that like straight up conventional was it ABCB style. It's just at, at, at times it's something that people don't necessarily recognize right away or really recognize at all. However, they know exactly what it is because at certain times, you know, some songs that they listen to, they're going to have those different schemes and it just makes so much sense. And you're wondering why are they using this scheme? And all of a sudden, bing, bang, boom. It just sounds incredible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Sean, Sean is, uh, <laughs> oh, he's there. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's there. Oh, there he's he is. 
You easy. have to use the photo of him on the, on the drums now. Uh, or the, on the drums or playing with his cats, whatever it might be. Whatever I've decided <laughs> to put there. It'll be something wacky and ridiculous. Or it'll be something that's really cool. I don't know. I haven't fully decided yet. When I put this all together, it will definitely be in there. Honestly, it'll probably be wacky and ridiculous because that's always what, you know, people watching videos, they're going to put it's going to put a smile on their faces. Yeah. So when it comes to Devil's Envy as well, because taking a look at your Spotify right now, because I I mean, as much as I'm not the biggest Spotify fan, it's probably like the layout for when it comes to music and what I can see what's been released. Usually the best way to go with it, because I see the EP Denside come out in 2016, the three singles from 2018. And really nothing since then. So the biggest question is, is what's coming next from you guys? Because I got a feeling you've got some pretty good stuff coming our way. So um, a lot of those updates are on our um, either our website or social media, mainly like Instagram, because that's where we're very a. Uh, how do you say that? Like we're, we're very More active and we're very art driven. So Instagram will have like a lot of our most recent stuff. Um, Facebook is kind of like second in. So we'll kind of like whatever we've posted on Instagram, we'll go ahead and make sure it's done on like Facebook, but we have some updates coming. We have uh, some singles coming in the spring. Uh, we don't have release dates yet because we're working with a distribution agency that kind of helps us map out like when, when the right time is and we need a few weeks in between. Um, and a little surprise treat coming in soon, sooner than that. So, yeah. So, so far, like, yeah, we have two singles and Instagram it's as announced, like one is called Night Stalkers and the other is The Ghost. Um, like you said, we, like, we actually wrote with our current lineup. Uh, the Ghost was actually helped written by, by um, our good friend Austin. Um, which a lot, maybe some of your viewers are actually like regular fans of ours that he had to step away for a break for a little bit. No official announcement because out of, you know, respect for him, but at least we're doing him the, the due courtesy of, you know, acknowledging that we still love the guy. He's still very much our family. And yeah, so the ghost is a super awesome, uh, uh, song that we worked on. We've actually played it live a few times and it just, it hits it hits really hard for us and it's it's really cool like to see the like fans like uh engage with it it's a very fan engaging song although it's very simplistic um and i'll explain because uh the lyrics were actually like co-written by my son and he was he was like nine at the time like two years ago it was like written you know uh so that song is going to be pretty interesting to uh, to get into, like once it's out, and then we'll like kind of dive in on the hype of that. But those two so far, uh, like I said, we we took the last six months of the freaking lockdown pandemic and just wrote song upon song upon song. Like we were just writing and writing and writing. Like we just did not stop writing. Um, and now it's you know turn of the of the new year, like before the year ended. Uh, we were, you know, doing some behind the scenes stuff that once we get everything set in stone with it, we'll, we'll kind of announce what it is. You know, we've been kind of hinting at it, but right now, like, yeah, we have the two singles coming out. Um, right now, it's the tentative date is uh, March and April for those two songs to come out. So. I think that might be, a, and from my perspective, might be a good time to actually release some of the music as well, because Given a look at what, again, what's happened with the coronavirus pandemic and when it comes to live shows coming back in full force with the way that with the vaccine rollouts, like, yeah, there's going to be vaccines. However, 
taking a look at uh, festivals that have planned for 2021 or people that are planning tours for 2021. I'm talking actual, you know, arena tours or actual tours that you'd expect to have had to happen in 2019. I'm not seeing any of that until at the earliest May at this point. So releasing something in March and April might actually work out for the best for you due to the fact that a lot of bands that have been working on music are probably holding on to it to release until they can go out and play play live and promote it that way. There are some bands that aren't doing that because they've had stuff ready. I mean, there's a lot of bands that are coming out with stuff in February and some in March. Most a lot, a lot of February though, from what I saw. So if coming out with March and April, you might be hitting the exact perfect time to release some of the stuff. And when you're talking about ghosts and you know your nine year old son writing some of those lyrics and contributing to it, I would be real curious to see how that one works out because it kind of has more of that like crowd pleaser feel to it and a little bit more of a simplistic style. Having your nine-year-old kind of help contribute to the lyrics on that, just with the way the mind of a nine-year-old works, it has a more of a simplistic nature to it. So it might fit in incredibly, you know, perfect within that song structure. I have no idea because it's the first time I'm hearing about it. So (laughs) again, this is all remains to be seen. So I'm going to be very interested to see how that happens. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty it's a pretty intense song, Um, and to kind of you know let you in on it, it's it's about sleep paralysis. And he's been suffering from that for since he was like much younger. Um, and it basically, like my son and I will actually spend hours at the studio. He's helped us write the Beetlejuice track. It, you can find it's on Spotify as well. I I don't normally follow our Spotify numbers anymore because there's just been a lot of stuff I don't agree with with that company. Uh, and there's so many of my colleagues that just love them and they love Ali and whoever does the playlists. And I'm just like, cool, bro. Uh, our numbers are killing it on Apple music. So that's <laughs> what I'm pushing. So like, I appreciate Apple music because one, they don't tell you or the fans how many followers they have. Like, I don't think that matters first of all. Um, so that's why, you know, going back to that, you know, like Apple music is where I hone in all our analytics and what we're pushing uh, because it just makes sense for me to do it that way. And so, um, yeah, going back to, you know, where, where we're pushing this stuff is like, uh, yeah. So my kid helped me write ghost and Beetlejuice and that little kid is like, he's going to turn into some producer when he's older because he, he's definitely helped with quite a bit especially with lyrics he's a great storyteller and it just uh it felt right you know and i presented a song to the guys like we got to play this song live They're like wait what it's not even like fully like the chord is like no nah, we we have to play it it's it's cool trust me and you know starts out with like a little guitar riff and then it kicks in and it's just fireworks like from then on out so it's it's a great song great song to like crank up you know in your in your stereo well, I'm going to be even more interested to hear this for a couple of reasons. One is because if your son son also has more writing credits than just that, I mean, there's definitely going to be something there. Secondly, if it deals with something that he has dealt with directly as well, along with yourself, then again, what, when I talk, what I was talking about with uh, Dead Inside, where it comes from a place of real inspiration, it comes from a place of real events and real you know, difficulties at times, that emotion is going to come out, that realness is going to come out, and people are, are going to feel it. So it definitely makes a lot of sense. And now I'm even more intrigued to listen to it when it comes out. And another thing I'm going to mention is when it comes to Spotify, where I do know people that are very big in it. The only reason I always bring it up in the podcast is because most of the people that I know listen to this podcast, they use Spotify. So when it comes to looking at certain numbers and certain things going on with them, 
I always end up going to that because it's kind of just a connection with the audience. However, I don't actually use, like, I don't pay for Spotify. I still download all my stuff because I have to use it for certain things. And when it comes to Spotify with things that things that they've been doing, especially more towards independent artists and restricting what they, what's being like promoting them and all of a sudden what's going out with them now with everything that happened with DistroKid, because there's a band I've interviewed that's going to come out right before the podcast is going to be right before yours when it comes out. They had their whole entire album removed because of it. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a whole mess. And then what Spotify is trying to do with already now, here we go. You, you can, we're going to do this in-house thing where you can promote your music and on our podcast on our playlist and whatnot. However, if you want to do that now, we're going to pay you even less. So it's kind of like a, and it, so it's like a thing where independent bands are getting completely screwed over by this because they might, de- they're going to depend on some a- like actual royalty rates, which are being paid very low right now. And also they're being paid, being paid less where bands that have labels behind them are going to be able to eat that cost and really promote for the long run. Right. Yeah. That's, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to, there's always got to be some type of give, you know, I do, I do feel for the bands that do want, um, you know, independence. And then there's their bands that I know that, you know, they have these great record deals and some of them, you know, they either, they, they don't get it or, or sometimes, yeah, they, they do understand it, but then, yeah, there are labels that are just completely out for themselves. Uh, the, you know, the worst side of being considered, you know, to a, a bank, because that's what they want. They're a bank that can help promote you and with connections that have been built for maybe two, three decades. Um, you know, a lot of those record label heads on like the newer record labels that are major. Uh, they've been around for a long time and so they know how to get their way so they know you know they, they know what it takes they know what they have to spend and they are spending a lot like millions mm-hmm. to push a couple artists and to get very little return on investment um, and the artists sometimes they don't understand that so yeah I, I do side with them though I get it um, so you know on both sides it's tough to be independent and it, it it might be great to be on a major label, but it's it's you're an employee at that point, um, so you're working for them. So basically, you know they they don't understand. It's like you have to give them publishing, you have to give them rights to mastering because without that, they wouldn't be able to push it to whoever they wanted to. They would have to keep asking the writer for permission. So they, you know, at the end of the day, once all that's done, like just make sure you lawyer up and sign a deal that works for you and the the other person involved because it's you know it ideally everybody wants a sweet deal everybody wants to be able to say give me a million dollars for stuff that i'm coming up with and i'll think about maybe giving you five hell no you know it's not gonna work uh so uh that's you know a lot of uh a lot of your viewers listeners even other fellow band members like just do your research and you know understand that this you know it's you can sit on the soapbox and complain all day, but if you're not looking at it from a business standpoint, like if, if you've never ner- learned how to manage a business period, that's not a small business. And you know, you, you don't know what it's like to manage a business that's generating more than hundred K a year. Like you're not going to understand why labels take the percentages they take, you know? So there's, there's a lot to consider. We can, we can enter. That's a, that's definitely a Joe Rogan style, uh, discussion type podcast for sure oh god yeah and, uh, Angel, of I, and, and talk about that 
<laughs> okay. that's, hour, that's hours worth of caveats on both sides, but it's, it's a catch 22. It's a, it's, you know, people want it. People were tired of paying, you know, what, 15, what was it? 12, 15 bucks for an album. Uh, Cause the argument was like, well, I only like one song in it. Okay. Well, how would you know that? Cause you haven't bought the album yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well now you get downloading. Okay, cool. Regardless of where you stand on an issue, I obviously, you know, back when uh, me and Angel were kids, the the big thing was Lars and Metallica suing Napster. And and listen, I, I had sympathy for both sides. Uh, they're both technically correct. I mean, you know, Lars was like, listen, you're stealing people's music. And uh, a lot of people laughed him out of the out of the room at the time. It's like, oh, you're just a greedy millionaire, you know, you know fuck you, man. Uh, you just want more money. Maybe you did. But at the end of the day, uh, what has happened since then is you've shifted the, the balance of power uh, even more in the label favor. And I'm not shitting on labels. They are running businesses. They have to do what they have to do. That doesn't mean everything they're doing is correct. There's a lot of, there's a lot, a lot of artists that sign deals and get shelved for any number of reasons and they can't use those songs after that (laughs) write-offs tax purposes whatever there's a lot of artists that just get shit on and uh, uh, unfortunately we gave that power and listen i'm not against downloading i think it's i think there's a big positive in it i think there's a big positive in uh people sharing music on uh digital platforms Look at Post Malone. Uh, that guy, uh, even in an era where the, the balance of power in that in this industry is with those who have made it and those who have connections and power, uh, he, what, he uploaded something on SoundCloud and now he's the biggest rapper in the world? What's he got, like 60 million listener, listeners on Spotify or some shit? Like, it's it's insane. And this is a guy. Right this now. is the guy that started in a metal band. <laughs> like, yeah, so month, I, I, monthly listeners forty two million. What's that? Forty two million monthly listeners as of the recording of this podcast. Yeah, it's just it's absurd, man. It's just and good for him, dude. Listen, good for the people that are making it. Uh, however, you know, if we're gonna choose all together, go down this path of. We're not going to buy CDs. We're not going to buy, uh, you know, physical product for the music that we want to consume. Okay, well, you have to support your artists in a different way. Uh, you, you're buying merch. You're maybe you buy a single every now and then. You know, who knows? Um, I like Spotify. I like Apple Music. I love streaming services. I use them. So, in some ways, like everybody else, I'm a hypocrite. The the, the difference is is that. You have to understand at some point, if we want artists to to be like they were and not mass produced, and I won't name any names of mass produced garbage that that uh, advertises to the lowest common denominator of society, you're going to have to start looking at this issue and start accepting the fact that in some way, you're going to come full circle and start to 
financially support the bands and the artists that you want to become big so that they can create more music so they don't become these bands that put out an album can't financially afford to do it and then you never hear from them again so it is what it is they're they're like angel said that's a that's a huge three four hour joe rogan podcast of constant caveats that you have to level on both sides of the argument but um i i think I think if if labels would step up, especially and start marketing things that aren't just easily digestible pop, and there's nothing wrong with pop. I listen to a lot of that shit, and I have no shame in saying it. <laughs> I listen to a lot of country. I listen to a lot of uh, span the spectrum. I'll listen to it, but if if we want to get back to where we were to where you had rappers and you had rock guys and you had pop artists and you had the advents of, you know, Michael Buble and all these people coming up at the same time and being big and everybody enjoying a slice of the pie, you're going to have to put pressure and start, uh, you know, financially supporting the people that you want to succeed. And I know it's tough, obviously, this is a different situation in the COVID era with people out of work and not being able to, um, you know, pay bills and stuff. But uh, when this stuff comes back, that's, that's going to be a serious conversation that artists and fans alike have to have to broach. And uh, we're going to have to talk about it sincerely. Absolutely. And when it comes down to it with both of what you guys said, both you Angel and Sean, I want to applaud you both because when you guys took a look at these issues, one thing that you did that I never see anymore is you had your side of it, but you also looked at the other side and you understood where the other side was coming from, where the Spotify side is coming from, where the label side is coming from. So that when you're talking about it, it's like, okay, I get why this is happening. I get why it's happening. Is it the best situation right now? No. However, if you understand both sides, can there be something that's done about it? Absolutely. That's where you can start to really figure it out. And Sean, with what you said about putting pre- the best putting pressure in order to you know make some of these bands that you want to see rise to the top, the best way to do that is to vote with your wallet, honestly. Because if you're gonna be supporting bands that you like instead of just supporting just whatever the heck happens and then just having your money go to the artists that these labels want the money to go to, if you're gonna support these artists that you want to support directly, that money's not gonna go to Spotify or these labels, and it's gonna end up forcing them to change their way of thinking. When it affects their bottom line, like any business, they're gonna have to re-change, they're gonna have to change their way of thinking. Or if a new player comes into the system and completely disrupts everything, that's what ends up happening. I mean, hell, when I was in college, I, I studied econ. This was basically what I looked at the whole entire time in a completely different light, more in a worldview, you know, country sense, but it was the exact same thing. And I absolutely love the fact that you guys really took a look into both sides of the argument as well and understood both sides. And when it comes to bands that do have those record deals, yeah, they're going to, they're going to end up pushing more towards what the labels are going for because it's going to help them out. When it comes to the independent bands, they're going to push more towards what they want because it's going to help them out. It makes total sense. My side, myself though, I always kind of want to push where it's going to help independent bands because how I look at it is Every band, every artist, whatever it might have been, they all started out somewhere and they all started out independent. So if so, how are these bands going to be able to rise to the top if you know there's really no way for them to do it? And how are you going to find out about these great new acts if there's too many gatekeepers in the way? So I'm always yeah. a huge proponent of you know helping out the independent acts because how else are we going to find out about them if we're going to have too many barriers at, to, of entry in order to get to know them? 
Right. Right. Well, you're dealing with a you're dealing with a market that has no competition. It's it's people that have made it and people that have uh, a very small group of people. When you think about it, how many major labels are there? How many, um, you know, big influential agencies are there in the music business? There's there's not a lot when you really think about it. And those are the gatekeepers. Yeah, those are not the those are the gatekeepers of the industry. So, I mean, this starts at the local level too. I mean, this we, we live in a culture where it's like, I mean, we used to deal with this. And again, I understand where people are coming from, man. Um, you know, you got you got a lot of people where like you're you're playing a show, and you got everybody you know and your mother asking for free tickets. I was like, I, listen, man, I don't come to your job and ask for free shit <laughs> i know i know this is a hobby this is art and you know nine times out of ten it's not going to go anywhere professional but it's it's just the principle of listen i'm playing a show you're coming to enjoy the show or not and you may think my band sucks who cares point is is you're gonna ha- people are gonna have to start paying for um for art again and and in in valuing that as a thing and i'm not asking for like you know 50 dollar covers people have a problem paying five dollar covers to see six bands a night you know that's that's hours and hours and hours of music not all of them are good okay well uh, you know the foo fighters were not amazing when they first started now they started after nirvana so they were a little bit of head start okay we'll back that up and argue that for nirvana David Grohl's, Grohl's quote was like, I wish bands would get in a garage and suck again. <laughs> that's how you get to that level. Nirvana became Nirvana because they, they were a bunch of dudes that had shit to say and a passion to do it. And they sucked ass together until they got good. And people don't want to pay for it. Listen, I get that. But I go to local shows and I don't, let's say the band I'm watching isn't particularly great. They may not be bad. They may just be a little bit unpolished. It takes time. Even the best musicians that people idolize at one point in time, they were playing local shows, sucking ass, but people were there to enjoy the night. That's a great way to put it. I mean, it is what it is. You can't have it both ways. We can't be fans of music. And like I said, I understand the arguments. I'm not saying the other side of the argument of what I believe is stupid or they don't understand what's going on. But you have to you have to look at these topics uh, and really look at the big picture. If if we're not going to support artists at the local level, how the hell are we going to support artists at the bigger level when you have gatekeepers controlling who you listen to and if something is good or not? Like award shows are bullshit. That doesn't oh, yeah. mean everybody who gets a award didn't deserve it, but for the most part, it's bullshit. Yeah, for the most part, with those award shows, it's do, do those people make good music? And to some people, yes, and some people, no. But there's a lot of times where there's great music that's out there that never gets anywhere recognized because the gatekeepers are allowed. I mean, I was taking a look at the Grammys like for this upcoming year scene. All right, what song of the year for rock song or song of the year, regardless? And I'm looking through and I'm just thinking. Okay, there's a lot of songs that these labels consistently push heavy and hard going crazy on it. And that's why they're on there. But a song like 
I mean, one of the best songs I think I've ever heard in my entire life, which is Popular Monster by Falling Reverse, never even got a consideration for it because the gatekeepers don't like Falling Reverse or Ronnie Radke. And they don't want them at the, they wouldn't want them anywhere near the awards because it might pertain to a bad image or something. So there's a whole bunch of action. I mean, that we can get in a whole talk about that as well. But when it comes yeah. to the gatekeepers, it's just, it's, the internet is a great tool in order to try and neutralize that. However, those gatekeepers are going to try and hold on as much as possible because they made it to the top of the mountain. They didn't get there by just appearing. They like I'm like with the labels, those labels and that were created from the ground and they worked hard in order to get to that position. I totally understand that. And they're going to want to do whatever they can to keep that position. So when the with the internet where everyone has access to pretty much every almost anything with a click of a button, yeah. You know, they're going to have to try and find a way to make sure that they still stay on top somehow. I totally understand that. Yeah. And it's just something where, in a way, we got to, it's kind of got to find a way to bypass those gatekeepers in, in a certain way. And right. how well, that dude. gets, how that gets done, I mean, that's all, that's still all up for debate and discussion and for trial and error. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe, as bold to say this, but it's like, if, if it doesn't happen for us this year, it's because maybe, you know, it's gonna. I mean, and you, you, you know, you could take this as, as however you wish. Uh, I've left it up to interpretation to as many people as I've said this to, including our bandmates. I'm like, this is, this is a year. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, but this is it. And if something doesn't come of like what we've worked on, uh, it's because we didn't try hard enough. So we're definitely going for it. Definitely for sure. Whether there's, gatekeepers or not i've i know some of them and a lot of them like literally laughed in my face uh some of them you know shut doors and some of them even just forgot who i was and especially having done favors upon favors for free um you know numerous times and not to sound like that okay this guy's coming from a places no i've um worked my back off you know to where i'm at now and whether the band has blown up at this point or not um it's gonna happen and when it does they're all gonna be sorry that they turned their back on uh, their backs on us like that's no joke whether they're gatekeepers of it or they were trying to get to a place to where they saw us as a threat because of what we were trying to accomplish we're pretty much level it out we're all we're all trying to get the same thing. Basically, being able to pay our rent or mortgage with what with our passion, because a man that works without passion, you know, it's the it, it's unfulfilling. So, this is what we're doing, and you know, and we're going for it. And so, whether you heard it here first or not, like whether anything happens with the name Devil's Envy or not, whether it's associated with myself or Sean whoever's a part of it, whether it's devil's envy or whatever it's, you know, in the future, like it's because this year, for some reason, I don't know how or why I feel it. So, but it's, it's gonna happen. And, you know, like I said, and it's all because of uh, faith and uh, in our own works, as far as musicianship goes and, you know, and what we, what we believe in. So that's that's pretty much <laughs> what I have to say in regards to you know like those types of people in the industry. What you want to call them, captains or kings of the industry or gatekeepers. Um, 
I have a not not so much a sour taste, but just like okay, like a like that you know that moment where he's like, okay, I see where you're about. You showed your shoe colors. Now it's my turn. So that's what the overall um, motive is for this band collectively. You know, kind of like thinking of it in economic terms, you're kind of using a second mover advantage in that way because the kings are the titans of the, of the music industry they move first on you guys so now you know right. they don't know what they don't know what to expect from you now because they think they know what to expect all of a sudden 2021 is going to end up coming closer to an end you know in about 11 months or so and they could be potentially looking back and just kicking themselves because they didn't give you guys a chance they didn't actually look to see what was going on and all of a sudden, the people that had always been there for you are going to be the ones that are still going to be there for you while they're trying to jump in and be like, oh, we want to get a piece of Devil's Envy. We want, we want to be, work with you guys. We want to do this, that, this, that. Well, why'd you shut the door on our faces a couple of years ago? Yeah. And they're going to try and sweet talk you as much as possible as well. And they, Yeah, and they, and, and they have. And I'm like, dude, I have nothing to offer now. And to on the outside eye, some of them might think like, okay, you're doing so many great things. And, you know, but us, we're doing the inner workings day in and day out for this band. Like whether we still have day jobs, we treat this like it's, it's getting there. It's getting there. You know, we've never really had to... Um, come come to a point where we were that like maybe when if I was like 19 20 years old I had quit like my part-time job to pursue being in a band but now that I'm in my 30s I have a family you know a lot of us have responsibilities Paul has a family Brian has uh, responsibilities so is Sean running his parents uh, company uh, we had we we were still fortunate to be able to push this the way we have been without letting everything else that's important in our lives go on the contrary, um, it's motivated us to work even harder in our secular work and take pride in it at the same time while showing everyone like, look, we're still pushing this every step of the way. Every year has gotten better for us. And there hasn't been, although like if you notice, yeah, numbers wise, social media, it's like kind of on the lacking side compared to some. But to us, there's always been a successful step forward. There has never, ever been a, ba- a step backwards with this band. Like every step of the way, is like, the next song is better, the next video, the next the artwork, the photos, uh, it all ties together. So it's, um, it's, it's deeming successful every step of the way. Maybe not on a grand scale, like, oh my God, that band hit it big. And it's because we're building longevity. We're not trying to be that one hit wonder band that, you know, just because we we hit uh, a cover song and then we had a label to dump millions in it so that it's played everywhere. It's not that type of, you know, situation. It's more of like we're, we're gradually building at the right pace to gather the right people to when it does build on a massive scale, which, you know, as we all hope it does, um, it'll last it'll last and it won't be as forgotten as some things are like, wow, this band just blew up out of nowhere and they just came out this year or last year. And next thing you know, three years later, where are they? Literally like what, any, any artist that you've heard of that has blown up that way has literally been a, a, a quick lit skyrocket and that rocket falls. Like we're the mountain. This band is a mountain. It takes, a long time to build, but it's done the right way, you know? 
Exactly. And it's the bands that build like that are the bands that have that longevity and the bands that stick around for so long. And when it comes to, cause I kind of want to close on this. Cause I want to be respectful of your time. So we've gone over an hour and 15 minutes of, and like, honestly, with what we talk about with everything with, with different We're labels, and Spotify, I mean, going. <laughs> I, I, again, I just want, I, cause I know at a certain point, like if I go way, way over, if it's not like a, like a total, yeah. like special episode, I know people will fall off just again. That's just the way the top, that, metrics work now so i'm like ah, i just don't want to end up going too crazy on this they save those for like when you interview pod or non-point man i'll uh i'll put you in touch they're they're <laughs> dope guys you got to have them on your show man i would I, I mean i would absolutely love to have that happen i'm working with a couple of people now to try and get some uh some even some acts on that or some bands on that i had like if i would have thought about having these bands on like four or five months ago i would have been just like laughing at myself and now i'm looking like this is actually hap- potentially happening or is happening so we'll see what happens like again we'll see i'm there however when it comes to like i would love to even go even more in depth with that like again with the, everything going with the label spotify um music industry and independent bands but i feel like they have to be like a special like three hour long podcast or i might get even more people in on it just sit down everyone if you got it you want to smoke something during it smoke something during it. me i start drinking beer during it we could have a we could just have a blast of a conversation i'd want to get even more people on that as well to get even more perspectives right. i'd love to have you guys on for that one as well because you guys think about both sides of the argument so that'd be fantastic but really want to close out with this where when you're talking about making sure that you build for the longevity and with everything else you have got going on in your guys' lives right now with different responsibilities, it's the drive, it's the passion, it's just that consistent wanting to go for it, which is gonna, it's gonna take some time. And you guys know this, it takes time to build on that. But when you do end up hitting on that, then the longevity is there. Then that whole stake is there to the point where you're not gonna be that, you know, flash in the pan kind of band that hits on one song or hits on a cover song and all of a sudden someone pumps millions into them and by the time three years later down down the line comes it's like oh they're playing at this venue maybe that you expect them to play before they got big it's like well why did they are they playing there now when they used to be playing there i mean it, it happens i'm not saying there's that recent the examples of that too man like you know not to cut you off but like there's um shit lincoln park was not a flash in the, like they didn't just get signed and then hybrid theory came out and they're a legendary band it's not how it happened Exactly. I, I know the guy who signed them. Not we're not personal friends or anything. I've hung out with him. Uh, Jeff Blue, uh, he's the he's the guy who found uh, what Macy Gray, bunch of different people, wide range of different artists. That band did not just come out, get signed, put out two awesome albums, and then boom, it's Lincoln Park, one of the best selling rock bands of all time, especially in the modern era. It's not how it happened. You had a band that was not called Lincoln Park that had a different singer that was discovered by Jeff. They put Chester in that band, which we're all thankful for, obviously. Um, and he helped uh, get that first album going and he pulled that talent out of that band. So there's a lot of good guys in um uh in the industry that have a lot of power uh and we need more of people like that again that are willing to take risk on people because lincoln park did not just show up at a at a record label and get signed that's not how it happened they had a real tough time yeah. and then when when it broke every person that passed on them i guarantee you 
is still shit in their pants that they never signed that band. Oh, easily. (laughs) Avenged Sevenfold. That band, one of mine and Angel's favorite band that we bonded on when we first met originally before we were even friends, they built a following through the club scene. They sound nothing like what they used to sound like, but (laughs) they built a family atmosphere around that sound. It was grungy. It was dirty, like fast punk metal. They did it in California. They built this this almost cult following. Then they put out, you know, they put out Sounding the Seventh Trumpet. Okay, not the world's best album, but it's an album that I love. You know, if you listen, if you bring that to like a certain music critics, be like, oh, it's dirty. It's not mixed well. It's this and that. And (laughs) okay, well, who cares? Nobody, that's not what that album's about, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. That's like going to a Marvel movie and and expecting it to be um, some huge Oscar winner. Right. With a huge in depth plot that's so intricate. It's, (laughs) that's not what it's about. It's, it's, uh, they built that following over, over lyrics and, and, a, and like an overall vibe of the band that people felt comfortable with and they could, you know, come home from school like I did and feel uh, like they had a little bit of a home with different people that they've never met, which is, again, what, what I was talking about before. And they built on that and somebody took a risk on them and look where they are now. They're one of the only modern uh, whether they, whether you still consider them metal or just rock now, whether you think they sold out, doesn't matter. They're one of the only ones that come from that era that are playing arenas and stadiums. Yeah. It, it is what it is. And if you if we want that as a community, as a rock and a metal community, if we want that as just supporting independent artists, whether you have an independent artist that's like a like an indie soft rock, whatever the artist is you need that you need that community background and i think it's starting to build again because uh, everything equalizes we've had a long time of again music that you know everybody likes easily digestible music it's sometimes it's fun to be drunk at a at a club and just party to some easily digestible song that's pumped out through the radio nothing wrong with it but if you want if you want your favorite artist to get there it's going to take a concerted effort on on our part as fans and musicians and it's going to take a concerted effort on people in the industry not always going for the the easy payday where it's a formulaic transaction of i take this person i have this song written for them by a third party this blows up they're a money-making machine as soon as they stop making money nobody gives a shit about them anymore cool is that is that how we want music to be no (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's kind of like, what do you want? Do you want those flash in the pan kind of artists? Yeah, that you're gonna be you could, you could consistently sign, or and then on the outside of that would be the reverse of that. If you're because the signing artist, you're gonna end up kicking yourself because you were the one that passed on Lincoln Park, or right. a, yeah. or the next band that's gonna be like that. So when you're it comes dealing with a Tinder of music, my friend, <laughs> it's window shopping at this point. <laughs> yeah, that might be the one of the best There's descriptions no I've ever heard of it. Oh my <laughs> god. I am gonna I'm gonna start using that, my friend. That is beautiful. <laughs> and, and as a community, as everyone for rock and metal, let's, when it comes to supporting artists, whether they already are signed or whether they're independent, we have that family vibe going on. We know that from live shows. So let's keep that going. Let's keep that building because then 
the music that we like, the music that we love to support, that you're going to continue to support is going to end up rising the top one way or another because that's where your attention is. That's where your money's going. And that, those these, these big labels, these record companies, they're going to notice that and they're going to follow along with that so they can somehow become a part of that as well. And it's going to only, and by us doing that, by us supporting all these independent acts and help supporting rock and metal as a family, what we can do together is absolutely incredible. So yeah. let's make it happen. And I'm going to be keeping tabs on you guys in 2021 Sweet. because well, thanks, man. Angel, with what you're <laughs> Thank saying, you, with, with, with what you're saying, holy shit. I mean, you're, I mean, you're getting me excited just because I can hear the passion in your voice. I can hear the concentrated passion that you want this. I can even see in your eyes when you're talking about it too. So there's, there's that fire there. I just want to see that fire, you know, go from whatever it's burning right now to, you know, that five alarm fire where everyone's watching like, Oh my God. You just took the, uh, you just took the red pill, man. (laughs) You take the red pill and you, you, you step into the depths of what, uh, I'm I'm truly seeing how far the rabbit hole goes. Devil's envy. Then, then yeah, then you're stuck. (laughs) I've truly seen how far the rabbit hole goes. So, as we close out, I want to ask you guys this. So when it comes to people looking to get a devil's envy right now, where can they find you guys? Because they're going to want to know. They're going to want to find you guys. They're going to want to listen to your stuff. They're going to want to follow you guys on social media. Where can we find you? For sure. Uh, you can find us on Apple Music, Spotify, um, Deezer, and Tidal as well. Um, our, a lot of our updates will go up on like Instagram and as well as our uh website devilsenvymusic.com and you can also find us on bands in town which will be updated as soon as the live touring industry opens up you'll hear more from that but you can always keep up to us keep up with us day to day on instagram with uh, devil's envy and for everyone listening when it comes to that i'm gonna make it even easier on you guys like i do with every band that's on the podcast so when it comes to finding these bands social media their website Bands in town, getting some merch, support these guys, which you should. And when it comes to listening to these guys, Apple Music specifically, but also include Spotify in there as well. Just take a look at the description of the video on YouTube or the podcast on Spotify, Podcast, Google Play, iHeartRadio. I'm going to have all of the links there for you guys. So it's a one-click, one-stop shop. All you got to do is tap that link and then bing, bang, boom, you're already on your way. So I'll make it as easy as possible for you guys. And if for some random reason you decide oh i'm gonna just you know i'm gonna i'm gonna follow this band but then you forget about it i'm not gonna let you trust me <laughs> if you follow some if you follow msotd rocks or anything with the core progression podcast i'm not gonna let you so just be aware of that nice i appreciate you man thank, thank you so much for having us i appreciate you guys being on thanks for being on the podcast and i want to end with three things One is because the conversation that we had, now I'm kind of inspired to potentially do a whole entire larger roundtable podcast with a bunch more independent artists or even artists that have been signed as well that I could get on to really talk about all this stuff and go like a two, three hour thing. If that does end up happening, I will be in contact with you guys. So I want both of you on there with the way you guys think. Second is when live shows return, when I have a chance to see you guys live, there's always something I like to do, or I like to promise at least, and I have a whole list of this, and I call it the first rounds on me club, which is basically, I want to see you guys live, and when I do get a chance to see you guys live, I want to, like, hey, I love the fact you guys are on the podcast, I love the fact I got to see you guys live, so first rounds on me. Oh, sounds good, man. Sounds Down with good. that. And the last bit is the goodbye, and I don't like to say goodbye because, hell, I love having you guys on the podcast. I'm going to keep tabs on you for 2021 and beyond. 
And I already promised the first round's on me. See you guys when I see you guys live for the first time. I'd love to have the podcast again. So I can't end with a goodbye. That just seems wrong. So I'm going to end with my favorite thing in the world. See you later. See you later. See you later, buddy. Whoa, 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 folks. That was my interview with Sean and Angel from the band Devil's Envy. And oh, my Lord, was this absolutely fantastic. Man, the MVK group has been absolutely fantastic on this. I cannot get enough of them. And again, when it comes to Devil's Envy, I want to have these guys back on. I want to have Sean Angel back on for a special podcast. Potentially coming up in the next couple of months, March or April, where we really dive deep into the music industry as a whole when it comes to independent bands, when it comes to newer bands, when it comes to Spotify, everything about that and really go in deep to really understand where independent bands are coming from, try and figure out where record or record labels, some record labels, record labels are coming from and just get an understanding of, you know, basically the question is how can we help to make sure that independent bands really get the chance that they deserve to rise to the top. So that one would be incredible to have. And I'm going to, plan on it for March or April and will Sean and Angel be a part of that I want them to be a part of that so badly and I know you guys want to too so please keep up with Devil's Envy because 2021 seems to be poised to be their breakout year hopefully it is and if it isn't then 2022 might be but we're hoping this year and on that note that's gonna be for me today guys thank you for watching listening to the chord progression podcast but to MSOTD rocks or rock and metal thrive my name is Kevin, and you guys know how I in every single one is up to the big, healthy, and hearty. See ya! Yeah!